This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Handy Andy Barrar has some natural ways to keep the pests away in the garden this spring and off of your lawn. Pretty cool stuff. Plus, the Shift Heads share amazing ways to deal with critters in a not-so-nasty way. How about going on a trip? Let's do it. Travel expert Claire Newell helps us understand how and where to go this summer, how to travel, and the most important things we need to know for traveling, which you might not think of. Like, for example, you're going to need to go early because security lines are long. Massive changes, too, to passport renewals you need to know about. We also go to Ukraine. Mikhail Zarenikov joins us live from Ukraine. And Ukrainians are trying to live their lives, trying to rebuild the economy, still fighting a war. What do Ukrainians need and what is the outlook? Uh, with Mikhail Zarenikov shares his view from Ukraine here on The Shift. This is The Shift Podcast. We're going to get started with Andy Barrar. Handy Andy Barrar, HandyAndyMedia.com. Uh, he is here, and we are going to uh, talk about that video shortly that Andy has posted. First, though, uh, we got to say hello and see what's going on in Andy's world. What's up, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I had a feeling you were going to tease me. When I posted that, I'm like, oh, I'm Shane's going to give it to me today. I'm not teasing. I think you look fantastic. It's an, it's an honest-to-goodness softcore invite to anybody who wants to watch the video. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be going to shiftheads.ca now to, to at least look at the thumbnail of this video. Or, or you could go to my <laughs> website, handyandymedia.com. But we'll talk about that in the next segment because I want to talk a little DIY because right. you know how much I love gardening, Shane. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get with, with the price of food. I want everybody to start growing their own food. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the issues that prevents a lot of people is is pests. Pets and, and, and critters coming into their gardens. So I thought we would take uh, a look at how you can prevent that. Some, some DIY solutions that are natural. So you're not going to harm your, your precious food that you're growing. Okay. So um, how do we do this? I mean, it is a little bit different across Canada. I mean, you get a way bigger head start in Vancouver. Uh, some of us, we can't even put our stuff out yet. Uh, because we, you know, May long weekend really is when we get started. One of the things that I'm looking forward to this year is some sunflowers in, in pots. Uh, you know, that's one of my things I'm doing, Ukraine thing, right, for the sunflowers. So how do we do that, Andy? How do we uh, get into this and make sure that we get it done, we get the bugs away, and we're able to uh, big these uh, grow these big leafy things that you grow that overtake your community garden and your uh, marijuana grow up in the backyard? <laughs> Well, you know, it depends on where you live in Canada. You can have different types of critters. Um, If you have issues like animals, like chipmunks, mice, rabbits, and deer, the one thing about all of them is they have a great sense of smell. And there's this one thing that they really don't like, and it's Irish spring soap, bar soap. They actually abhor it. And so if you cut it up into cubes and place it in little pouches or you use an old uh, pantyhose and hang it around your garden with wooden sticks, 
mm-hmm. they're, they're going to run away and they will not really? come around that. So that's a, I actually like Irish spring soap. So I, I use it all the time so that I'm always going to have some on hand. But that's a great way to, to get rid of those critters. Another idea, and, and you're right, a lot of people aren't going to be starting, uh, I guess, until a month now. Mine's up and running here on the West Coast. But if you have insects or maybe even deers, uh, mint, if you plant mint in your garden, they actually don't like that as well. Um, it's an energizing scent and you can actually create this like mint tea bags. If you have any mint tea bags, you can put those around your garden as well if you're not growing mint to to um, protect your, your garden from them as well. I like Iris Spring. It smells great. I might you might find me in your garden. <laughs> <laughs> now here's 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 one that I'm gonna be using because underneath my deck, Shane, I have like security cameras in my backyard and it, they always get activated and I look at it and it's like skunks going underneath my deck. And I'm I'm having a hard time trying to prevent them because every time I try to block it, they still find a way in. So I was doing some research online and they said squirrels, raccoons, and even bears. If you use cayenne pepper and you create a little spray, one cup of water and you put like uh, a one tablespoon of cayenne pepper and you can create this cayenne spray and you spray that around, that's a one way to repel a lot of different types of animals uh, from getting in your garden. And I'm hoping this will work mm. underneath my deck because I've had every year I've been struggling with this. And, um, you know, there's like an ecosystem going on under there. There's cats going there. So I don't want to do something that's going to harm like my neighborhood cats, but I do want something to repel them away from not going underneath there. Bunnies is a big one for me, you know, short of a fence. Uh, you know, that's the sort of chicken wire fence, chicken wire top kind of scenario. I mean, everyone's got different pests. Some people have deer, some people have bunnies, you know, those kinds of things. Is there anything specifically, I'm just asking randomly on this, that you came in there about those little yeah, uh, cute little friends that eat all the stuffs yes you could use human or pet hair and if you ever go to a barber shop they they actually know this because people will come there and collect it and the reason is they don't like the smell of unwashed hair so you can't have like shampoo don't like shampoo your hair and then try to cut it off and then use that but if you get unwashed human hair they can actually smell that and that will make them persuade them to go away from from really and i remember this as a kid People would come into my barbershop or my local one and and collect all the hair from there. So that's another trick. I never used it myself, but I know people have used it and had good success. Wow. That's kind of weird though, but it's cool. Like that's I like the sort of natural approach to to scare things away and have it not be, you know, just by the way. Because yeah, you don't want to make them sick, right? You just want them to go away. Go find your food somewhere else. This is too convenient. Absolutely. And another one is if you have slugs, some people get a a slug problem inside their garden, you could Mm -hmm. use uh, discarded coffee grounds. So from your coffee machine, after those coffee grounds, sprinkle them around your garden. It's actually good as uh, compost as well. So when you combine it together, it'll be uh, excellent for for getting rid of that as well. Huh. Very cool. I had no idea. I got to try and find a way because what I've been doing is I've been putting my pineapples up on my stoop. Because I don't have a deck in the front. I just have one of those cement stoops. Mm -hmm. And so my pineapples live up there. The bunnies tend to stay away from those. And But with these extra potted plants, there's not enough room. So I wanted to put some um, pots just down on the ground and be able to do the 
the sunflowers. It's I rent this place, so I'm not going to build a bunch of gardens out front. So, you know, would that be a reasonable solution to get started, something like that then? Yeah, and uh, make sure next time you get a haircut to take that hair with you back home, yeah, right. sprinkle that around, and uh, you should be good to go. Okay, so a couple of text messages come in. Let's pass these on. Um, cotton balls will take care of your skunk problem from Nighthawk Steve. And plant marigolds in your veggie garden. They deter rabbits and look pretty, too. That one's from Winnipeg. Don't have a name attached. Um, another one comes from another, another different Steve. It says coyote urine works. Yes, <laughs> do you have any? True. Do you have any coyote urine lying around? No, but uh, I, I, you can actually get some somewhere. I, I've heard of that as well. Oh, God. Can you imagine that job? How do you collect it? <laughs> Somebody's got to do a chain. <laughs> Somebody's oh, my God. All right, tell us about the grass, because we don't have a moss problem here um, because of the fact that it's so dry, right? Like in Alberta, where I broadcast from, we basically get green grass for about eight weeks, and then it's brown for the rest of the year. In other places, uh, we get brown in the winter, Vancouver gets green in the winter, and brown in the summer, right? So it's different everywhere you go, and then in Ontario, you get these beautiful lush lawns uh, because the humidity helps. So, you know, what, um, what, what do we do there? Yeah, you're right. On the West Coast here, you know, we're like in a rainforest, so there's moss everywhere. And in, typically, if you have a lot of shade in your yard, that's where you're going to find the moss. And one thing I'm trying to do more and more is use organic solutions to try to solve this problem. I'm always experimenting with different kinds of things. And one thing I learned is you can take two gallons of lukewarm water and mix a box of baking soda right from your fridge, spray that on your moss, and that's supposed to, to get rid of it. Or you could use ordinary dish soap. Dawn Ultra is the preferred product. You put that into um, a little, mix it with water, put it into a spray, and then spray that to kill your moss. There is chemical moss killer. I used to use this back in the day, but I'm trying to move away from that. And it's just another thing where you would spray it, and then the moss turns black, and then it slowly goes away. They even have some that you can put on your roof as well as spray. But I'm trying to stay away from the the chemicals. The, the, the most typical thing that most people should do if you do see moss is just try to rake it out. Try to, you know, just put some effort to it. You can dethatch your lawn and also aerate your lawn. You can get what's called an aerator. It's kind of like a lawnmower, but it pokes holes in your lawn everywhere. That's another way to to help remove moss. But the big issue that we're having here on the West Coast is the Schaefer beetle. There's like this grub and the crows will just go into our lawns and just wreck havoc on them. And I, everywhere I drive here in, on the West Coast, I see lawns and, and homeowners try to solve this problem. And I'm suffering from it too, but I don't have it as bad as, as most people. So if any of our listeners have a good solution for the Schaefer beetle, those little grubs that they, they go and the crows try to pick out, uh, I'm all ears because this is a problem that I've been trying to help my my um, you know fellow homeowners out there to to solve because it's a it's an ongoing problem here on the West Coast. Uh, some other text says, suggestions. This is great, Andy. I love this. Thank you. Um, uh, chemical moss killer causes uh, more moss. It makes the uh, so, soil more acidic. Which yeah. <laughs> typo says it makes your soul more acidic. I'm assuming he means soil. Uh, thanks, Steve, for that one. Also, Steve says use lime every year, which I'm assuming you mean lime, like the powdered lime, like yes. not like you got the lime and the coconut, and you got like the squeezer on your lawn. <laughs> you need a lot of lime for that. that. You need a lot of lime. You'd have sore wrists after that one. Harvin Edmonton also says kill moss with lawn fertilizer, and you can buy coyote urine. 
um, in a spray bottle at hunting stores like Cabela's and Bass Pro, also at Home Depot. Um, wow. Wow, we're learning a lot today, Shane. This is awesome. This is amazing. I love this. Um, but it's cool stuff, right? I mean, these are the things that we all go through. And, and uh, ants is another one. You know what I would love? Oh, yeah. Can we have a conversation next Monday about ants? Sure. Because I don't want, so my dog goes in the front yard and this is a rental. So I have board, uh, I have boundaries on how much work I'm going to do right on it. I mean, I have no problem making sure that someone else's uh, house is cared for, right? Like I, I do go over and above to make sure that I, I, I take care of that part. Right. But at the same time, I mean, I've got ants and my dog's out there all the time. Right. And yeah. so I don't want to boost poison. So what do I do? So we'll save that. Plus, get your suggestions. Shiftheads.ca. There's more to come. Plus, uh, a really funky video with a workout handsome man on the Shiftheads Facebook group. We're going to talk to that guy next on the shift. This is the Shift Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to The Shift and all your text messages, 877-399-9898. I've got to do this one just because we talked about it, and it seems like it's the uh, only fair to do. We're talking about putting a lime on our yards. And a uh, text message came in and said, well, you got to do the Harry Nelson now. So now, if you don't know the psychedelic music from so long ago, you probably... But you know that, right? <laughs> Doesn't that just make your day? Oh, it's so good. I don't even want to end it. I just want to sit here and enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Uh, other text awesome. messages that came in. Isn't it beautiful? Uh, it's such a fantastic song. It just it makes you happy, puts a smile on your face. My goodness. Okay. For Andy, nematodes. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. It's a word I've never seen before. To get rid of chafer grubs. Colleen, the church lady. Um, Jerry, who wanted to hear the song. So we got Jerry there. Um, prilled lime in the coconut is what Steve meant. And for ants, use mint or spray vinegar mixed with water. Ants don't like the smell of both of these Nighthawk Steve. Okay, cool. So we will talk about that next week. Uh, diatomaceous earth. Wow, that's a word. Less. Come on, man. What's are the big words? Uh, for slugs and snails, can work on ants and other insects too. It's non-toxic. And um, just don't let your dog sniff it. And then the other one says, coyote urine. What a conversation topic. I got uh coyote urine story, but I don't want to talk about it with you. Mark. Okay, um, we will uh, leave that one alone. Thank you very much, Mark, for um, giving us the heads up. Appreciate that. Okay, Handy Andy Barrar has posted a video to shifthead.ca in the Facebook group. You can also get it at handyandymedia.com, and you should go there, by the way, and do Andy a favor and follow his YouTube channel so you can see all the videos and things. Uh, there's a handsome man on our uh, Facebook group here that's working out. Andy, what is happening? Uh, so I had a chance to review the... It's a new product from the company called High Gear, and it's a smart resistance bands. Now, a lot of people might be familiar with resistance bands. These are just like bands that you could do exercise with that give you the tension. But the problem with resistance bands, as opposed to normal weights like a dumbbell or a barbell, is with a dumbbell and barbell, if you keep working out, you can actually start lifting more and you can see the number i'm actually lifting five pounds more or i'm doing a couple more reps so in, in they call it progressive overload and you can actually see your progress 
by adding more weights or doing more reps. But with resistance bands, it's very, very hard to determine how much load you're actually, the, the resistance that you're putting on. And so with these smart resistance bands, these actually work with your smartphone. They're two bands connect via Bluetooth to your smartphone. And inside the app, it will do a real, like a real time look at your workouts and how much resistance you're pulling on those bands. So it can measure your reps, how many times you're doing it per minute, and also the weight that you're going against. And the thing about resistance bands is the farther you move it away from your body, the more resistance happens. And so it was a very interesting product for me to try. I've never actually reviewed resistance bands or even worked out with resistance bands before, oh, really? Shane. So it was a whole new experience, but for, I think it would cater to people who love resistance bands, but they want to track their workouts. You know, they like taking their steps, like tracking that, but now they want to put it inside their workouts. So they can check it out. Um, It it, it does require an anchor point in your house. So some people, they have a a little system where you can put it over a door and then you can use them for exercise. You can just use a hook too, though. You can use like a, a, a bulldog clip and a hook. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can do it. Yeah, but the the issue that I had with this app and this company is if you want to actually track it, you have to get a subscription. Everybody ah. is going through this monthly subscription. I think it costs about $13 a month Canadian. And so even for me, Shane, to review it, I had to get the subscription. Oh, so I'm terrible. like mad. I want to get reimbursed for this because I yeah, you should to use it twice. Well, I'll tell you um, what. In a couple of weeks, if they don't give you 13 bucks back, we'll say it was terrible. Yeah, I know, but I'm sure they're going to give it back to me. But um, the same company, by the way, Shane, also makes a smart jump rope. And so maybe next week I will show that review. Uh, it's cool. a jump rope that can actually track your your workouts. So, of course, you know I have to try that one out. So between this, well, you know, the fitness equipment, um, basically um, we're, we're seeing that trend where everything is getting smart. Unfortunately, they're also getting subscription-based as well. Yeah. Uh, you, I think this is great for you because with your jump rope, the stabilizer muscles and all the little muscles that come into jump rope are going to be huge here. And for everybody who doesn't know resistance bands, uh, if you talk to your doctor, if you can go to a physio, if that's something you have options to, resistance bands are so good, no impact. And you could literally sit, like you could, if you're somebody who's in a chair only, can't get out, not very mobile, anything, and you just want to get your shoulders and stuff moving, your arms moving, with proper physio advice, of course. But things like resistance bands, you can do sitting there in your lounger chair. Like, you can do it. And it's going to uh, get your heart moving. It's going to get everything moving. And it doesn't, it's literally like rubber bands, but they've got handles on it, so it it works better. This is fantastic. I love this. This is really cool. And... um and uh, I've been, I saw this when I saw the video on the Facebook group, I saw it and I'm like, this is perfect for Andy. Like, this is something that I need to find space to do. I have the bands, not smart ones in my house. So you've inspired me. Thank you, Andy. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, no, it's cool. You, it comes in a travel pack too. So you can take it with you anywhere you go. Awesome. Take a look at it. Um, uh, it's at shiftheads.ca, handyandymedia.com, Andy Barrar. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. Last week, my kids went to Mexico with their mom. They had super fun time. It was quite easy to travel. So we thought, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to understand what the rules are. Because I didn't know when my kids were going. By the way, what do you need to have? Well, a passport is number one. There's your biggest problem. Claire Newell joins us here to talk about all things travel. Claire, how are you? 
I'm good, Shane. Lucky kids going to Mexico. It was beautiful. I know. Yeah, I bet it was. Lots of people have been traveling over the last little while. Um, now it's a space issue. And like you said, a passport issue if you need to renew it. Yowzers. So um, here's what they were told, Claire. So they went down to go into the building to get their passports renewed because they expired okay. over the course of the pandemic, which is what lots of people had happen. And yes. so they went into the office and then I don't remember what the time frame was. I think it was three weeks or something like that. They were like, you're outside the three or four week period. You need to mail it in. You can't be here. So they forced them to mail it in. Then they mailed it in. One made it. One got lost. Oh. One, so that was, uh, you know, a child support uh, uh, parenting agreement. There was a birth certificate in there, everything else. It got registered. They, she, uh, uh, the mom went and checked and said, hey, uh, where's the stuff? And they said, well, it was received, but it's never been processed. I mean, oh, they're doing dear. so many, right? And then, yeah, and, they are. And then... Uh, so they had to get a new birth certificate, get, go to back to the lawyers, get the child uh, care agreement. All those things had to be done all over again. The day before they left at 4.30 when they closed, uh, my kid's uh, mom said she figured there was still another 50 people still waiting in the office. Uh, and they don't kick oh you no. out. So th- just to give some context about how if you want to travel, you need to get your passport rolling ASAP. Yeah. And so one of the things that Ottawa did, because there were issues with passport renewals because so many people hadn't pulled out their passports since the start of the pandemic, starting to look at it. And it was especially kids because kids are, if, you know, if they're a certain age, they can only have their passport for, for two years. So unlike adults that can have a five-year or a 10-year option, um, it's been a, it's been a nightmare. So Canadians um, here in Canada, as well as abroad, can now renew an expired passport as long as it was issued in the last 15 years. Now, that is a massive change. It also applies to individuals who've had their passport lost, stolen, or damaged, because if you don't know, you can't use a damaged passport. So previously, the simplified renewal process wasn't available for passports expired longer than a year. So this is a really, really big change. Now it's up to 15 years. If it's been sitting in a drawer and you're like, ah, this is going to be a real headache because you have to start from scratch. That's not the case anymore. What the update means is that applicants don't need to have a guarantor or to provide their original documents, like proof of citizenship, you know, all the photo ID you have to go through. They just need two photos two references, not even the guarantor signing something, and their completed form and the fees. And Bob's your uncle. So it makes it so much easier. Again, this is if you have time. (laughs) Obviously, your kids may not have had time. And this wasn't the case when your kids were renewing it. So um, it is good news for anyone who who does need to renew their passport. Um, However, one other thing about documentation, Nexus. So lots of people have their Nexus. They were, had been given some grace over the like during the pandemic. Border officials let you use your expired Nexus card, and you could get across the borders. But and that was because the renewal process was halted. It's now back up and running again. So just remember, if you have an expired card, it will be seized at the border. You can't just use it anymore. And what you want to do is if your pass, if your Nexus card is about to expire, get it renewed before. Otherwise, you start from scratch. So it's opposite of the passport. Right. You can have the expired one. But if, if it expires with Nexus, it is everything from like grand zero. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Um, okay, good to know. So if we want to go, I here's what I've observed. This is uh, you. You are the travel. You know, travel best bets lady. You know all the things. Um, uh, the, not everything, but I try. Okay. The um, <laughs> the thing for me is that I've noticed that you know travel in Canada, the major hubs like the Toronto, the Calgary, the Vancouver, very very busy. It was very busy uh, with spring break. It was very busy with Easter. Uh, all of those things. There are amazing opportunities to travel in and around Canada if you're not traveling on the busy busy days. But if you want to go to Mexico, my, my kids were on a Dreamliner. There was two empty seats on a 320-seat plane. So they are jammed to go south, but there seems to be some incentives to go to Europe. Yeah, you're right. Um, so there was a huge surge in demand kind of come February. So after Omicron had passed and then people realized, okay, travel restrictions are going to be easing. I think I want to get away and I want to, most people wanted to get away to some, you know, sun and some sand. So Mexico was on a big, you know, one of the the ones that were on the shortlist for people, Caribbean, Hawaii, but they, the airlines really had their capacity loaded in the system. So if you were lucky enough to get space, that's great. Like your kids. But um, many people, they they waited a little bit too long. And the sun season typically ends at the end of April. And we transition to our, um, from our sun to, there's still some sun destinations, don't get me wrong, Shane, they're just limited. Um, But then everything kind of goes to Europe. And so um, we saw the prices literally every single day increase. I was watching Hawaii and Mexico and the Caribbean and it was like 50 bucks, hundred bucks each day or each week it was going up. And that was just because of the capacity issue. Now what we're finding is the airlines really are struggling to get staff. Uh, We've seen this particularly with U.S. carriers because they were really ramping up their summer schedules to to meet the demand. And now we're seeing them all have to cut back their schedules because of the staff shortages and cancel flights. The most recent that I saw was um, JetBlue was announcing that they were going to be uh, reducing capacity by as much as 8 to 10% through the end of May. Alaska Airlines by 2% through the end of June. Uh, they're not alone. Canadian carriers are having to do this as well. So it's a real struggle. So flexibility um, and being patient is is pretty key. There are some good deals to be had cruising. Of course, it was dragged through the mud, as you well know, floating petri dishes. They were called all sorts of things through the pandemic. They have come such a long way. Their protocols are in place, but there's some amazing deals to be had. And also, yet, like you said, to Europe, uh, a lot of people may be comfortable going to Western Europe, but they're maybe not as comfortable going to other parts of Europe because of the situation in the Ukraine. So we're looking at like maybe uh, France, London, Dublin, uh, a little yeah. little busier than um, than the other places as you get into uh, deeper, deeper, deeper into Europe. Yeah, for sure. I want to address what you talked about here in Canada, some opportunities as well. Um, I wanted to read some stats because last week on April the 20th, Stats Canada actually data came out and um, airfares here in Canada, they're really on the rise. And that data showed it. And it's obviously because of the increased travel demand. Uh, it showed that airfares increased by 8.3% between February and March alone. Wow. So I looked into more data because I love it. Um, and there was a company that is called uh, 
Sirium, and they're an aviation data company. Um, not super exciting for you, maybe, but for me, I, I love it. <laughs> Give me uh, a spreadsheet. <laughs> I want to see a spreadsheet. <laughs> right? Um, but it showed that the average price of a one-way fare for a flight within Canada in January 2022 increased by 18% compared wow. to pre-pandemic levels. Well, so that that's would be 100 huge. bucks on 500 I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, increased travel demand plus higher jet fuel prices, plus uh, which was a result of the uh, Russian invasion in the Ukraine all the main contributors to this higher airfare within Canada. Um, and then, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to be watching what's happening because what I thought that the capacity would increase in the systems faster than it has, but it's nowhere near uh, the demand. So we have this issue of increased pricing. Well, it's amazing. Um, we, we, I mean, part of it's good, right? Except the fact that with the conversation around inflation and groceries and all the things right now, it's becoming a little bit more restrictive uh, for so many people to go to places. I had a friend of mine who just flew in for a conference on Thursday. I think, yeah, it was Thursday. Uh, the only way they could make it work was to come in on WestJet uh, from uh, from Toronto to Calgary, Air Canada back home again. It was $900. Wowzer. Yeah, this is what I'm seeing across the board, not to mention the fact that the way that we are traveling and you've done it through the pandemic and, and since restrictions have eased, um, it's it's not the same. It's not the same as it once was. So today is actually a big day because we have some restrictions easing as of April 25th, mainly for families, um, unvaccinated children, five to 11 with accompanied by a fully vaccinated parent or guardian. They're now exempt from pre-departure testing, which is a big one for families. And one of the other ones that really wasn't well known, nor was it well enforced is that fully vaccinated travelers no longer uh, will be federally required to for the first 14 days once they come back to Canada wear a mask in public areas Uh, keep a list of close contacts quarantine if a traveling companion tests positive for COVID or monitor their systems I don't know how many people were doing that I didn't I I don't know many who even knew that they had to do that Um, but a reminder though um, you still have to use that Arrive Can app or website if you don't have a cell phone. I hope most people who are traveling these days use a cell phone because it's a lifeline. Um, that's another topic for us, Shane. <laughs> we can do um, that, yep. but, <laughs> Yeah, but the, um, the other thing is that mask mandates around the world are changing, particularly in the U.S. It actually changed while I was traveling over, I, I went for an extended Easter weekend to visit my parents and my daughter down in Arizona. My daughter's studying there. My parents are snowbirds there and it was fine when i was going down because the mask mandate was in place so in airports and on flights people in the u.s had to wear them now i was on an air canada flight so of course you have to wear it um that has not changed here in canada and canadian airports but um no, wherever you happen to be flying you really need to look at that i'm a big fan of masks since um i'm a I'm a believer that you take care of your own health. And so you'll see me flying with a, with a mask on likely an N95, particularly for long, long haul flights. Um, But that wherever you're flying, just check the, the restrictions, but really you should probably be wearing a mask anyway to keep yourself safe. I've heard lots of cases of people um, lately who have COVID, not, not just because they were traveling I'm talking about, but in general, so it's not gone. So take 
take your own precautions. Yeah. Well, and you know, my, my kids were surprised when they got to Mexico. Uh, they didn't have to wear a mask in the resort, but they did have to wear a mask when they were cruising around town. So, um, you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't be surprised that, you know, and they were surprised because they, they thought, you know, dismissive, of course. Oh, it's Mexico. They're not going to have any rules here, right? You can right. buy, you can buy steroids at the pharmacy. Um, the, uh, but no, they, <laughs> um, they, they, real, in reality, they had to wear masks more there than they did here. They were a little surprised by that. So, you know, these, yes, those things and, do matter. And that's why it's a, a reminder to go to that website we've talked about in the past together called Sherpa. So the best way to get to it is Google the word Sherpa and then travel and up will pop uh, a website. It looks like a booking engine for putting in your error and everything. But what you do is you put your vaccination status, you know, unvaccinated or not, and then where you're traveling to. First of all, you have to get to get on a plane here in Canada. You have to be vaccinated still. But um, if you've got a connection or not, and it will tell you what you need to know as far as testing and documentation, um, going to a destination, but also coming back. But I also like the fact that it'll tell you, you know, do I need to wear a mask in restaurants? And what do I need to do? Um, What you mentioned that the airports were really busy, as well as the passport office. I'm reminding people that whatever you were doing pre-pandemic, as far as getting to the airport, give yourself an extra 15 or even 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because I've been noticing that the, especially if you are checking a bag, which I as often as possible don't, um, but those lineups are really long. Security is really long. My husband was going down for a business trip in California on Sunday, and he, I do a regular. Um, radio spot on CKNW here in Vancouver on Sunday mornings at 8.30. And he called me just 10 minutes before I went on. And he said, honey, make sure you tell everybody the airport is so busy. And we had only traveled two weeks before that. Right. <laughs> he, he's like, just the, he didn't check a bag. He has an access card. And he was just basically saying, tell people if they don't have an access card that security and um, getting through customs is like backed up around the corner and out the door to the check-in gates. That might mean nothing to you um, unless you live in Vancouver, but that means the long the lineups about an hour and 15 minutes to yeah. get through that process. Well, it was a long time. There was one flight that when things really started to get busy, um, two hours before the flight was barely enough time. I got in two hours before my flight to Ottawa and I was at Terminal B in Calgary. And so right. then the lineup was just wild. C was wild. It was crazy. And then so someone, staff, airport staff, whatever said, if you don't mind the walk, um, go down to D, which is international. Uh, it's not right. busy there. Uh, this was before international had really opened up. But by the time I got to D, it was still an hour to get through D. And then, so it uh. took me two hours to get, I, I made it to the plane, but the plane was boarding by the time I got there. So give yourself the extra time, go have your early morning beer. Cause you can do that in an airport or whatever it is for you. <laughs> and just get that vacation started or that trip started early because the amount of stress when you can see people, they sweat in that lineup. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, they and do. They don't they know sweat. what to do. And then you all of a sudden you got 50 people that are late for their flight. Right. And then they try to help you out and get you through and. You know, and yeah, my, it's hard. my advice would be if you can get a Nexus card, it really does help um, if you have time, bef- yep. you know, before you have your next trip. Um, make sure you check in online, check the website uh, for your airport to make sure that your flight's on time because you don't want to be spending longer than you need to in, in the actual airport. If you do not have to um, check something in like a 
a, a checked bag. Don't do it. Just do carry on. Uh, and like you said, get to the airport early and, and know what documents you need in hand. Uh, and, and it's, the same coming back, uh, I actually pulled a bit of a rookie move. I'm going to just only tell tell you this to help other people. Thank you. It's very, uh, very good of you to share that. <laughs> I was coming back from um, Arizona and it was it was not that long ago, like less than two weeks ago, uh, just after Easter. And I was coming back and we were in an Uber heading to the airport, about a 40 minute ride from where my parents live. They live up in North Scottsdale. We were getting to Sky Harbor and I said, uh-oh. Arrive, Ken, guys. Everyone, I was with my my son and my husband. We checked luggage, which, oh, I was so frustrated. Um, But we all had to do, while we were in that Uber driving, we had to do our Arrive, Ken. We had forgotten. Um, And then I will say this. When we picked up the golf clubs, I was cursing my husband and son because it took us an hour and 20 minutes for that luggage to come out. Um, I was on on one carousel. There were four Air Canada flights. That's how busy the airport was. Well, and then staff. I mean, you talk about staff for flights and staff for all those things. There's all those rampies and, you know, those people are working so hard and they really uh, be- are dealing with short staff and, and all those things too. So uh, it, it affects everybody. That's for sure. This is so insightful, Claire. I'm glad travelbestbets.com and travelbestbets. You got to check it out, especially if you're in Vancouver on the Sunday show um, and, yeah, uh, thanks. and get all those things. And, and I think it's time, Claire, that we, uh, we start chatting about summer vacations because I know there's an awful lot of people that have travel trailers that are looking at the price of gas right now going, Hmm, maybe we should fly to PEI this summer. So pr- seriously, right. Might yeah. be cheaper. So we'll uh, we'll talk about all those things. And if you have any questions, go to itstheshift.ca and you can send them to us. We'll ask Claire and get them in front so we can know what you need to know to travel with Claire Newell. Thanks so much for being here, buddy. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Thanks for having me. This is The Shift Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to The Shift. We go to Ukraine Mikhailo Zarnikov joins us on the phone. Mikhailo, how are you? Uh, fine, thanks, Shane. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for taking the time and uh, squeezing us in. I wanted to talk to you about work. Um, it seems like yeah, we are hearing more people, uh, including yourself. Um, there, there's some uh, changes to what is happening in the world of, of working. I'm not asking you to be personal about it, but it seems like in some of the conversations we've been having, Mikhailo, that's some people are getting back to some routine things. Is this good news? Well, yes. Uh, well, maybe good, maybe not as good. Because on one hand, of course, we we have to have you know working economy in order to win this war, and you you know you cannot win, especially if it's a war of attrition, in in which is pretty much now the the, in, the phase in which the war is. Uh, even though the, the, there are active, um, uh, you know, um, things on Donbass right now in eastern Ukraine, um, uh, militarily, I mean, there, there, there's, there's, you know, attacks and counterattacks and all that, but still, it's not as um, fast as it was the first days. So we, we, and God knows when, when it will end. So we need strong economy, and we need, you know, the, the, the state going um, and, you know, producing GDP and, and, and. Uh, for, for us doing that, as simple as this. So it, it is it is crucial that the people come back to um, uh, normal life, so to say. Um, on the other hand, um, it, it's also you know I don't I don't want to think that uh, the war has become something that people are used to because well of course there are 
still, you know, there's many more territory of Ukraine that is now free, and even though not completely safe because of the missiles and bombs and everything, but uh, is is much safer than uh, uh, God forbid on the, on the occupied territories. So what I'm trying to say, it is, you know, um, uh, I, I don't want this to become, um, you know, mundane and for 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 everybody just go, okay, this is how it will be right now. Um, I don't think this is the feeling that... Uh, I don't think people feel that or, or think that. I just don't want that to happen. Yeah, I get that. Thank you very much. Um, so let's look yeah. at uh, the lens that I get here. And one of my favorite things that, Mikhailo, that you offer us is that when we sort of share our Western news versus what is going on in Ukraine, you know, out, literally out your window... Uh, that provides a lot of clarity mm-hmm. for us. Um, so we've been hearing now, the thing about news out of the United States is that it's quite often very blustery United States. We're going to save everything, whatever. Like we haven't heard a lot about Ukraine, right? There's been like, oh, you know, we're sending this. We're helping out that. You know, no, we're not sending jets. Yes, we mm-hmm. are sending parts. All these things that have gone on. But there's been a real sh- shift in the last couple of days here since the Americans came to visit in Kiev that, you know, yeah. the words have changed, right? Uh, U.S. wants to weaken Russia, that there's a strategy shift of what's going on. What is this actually looking like inside Ukraine? Well, there's still, I, I think that there, ha- there hasn't been any one um, station where we talked, and I haven't mentioned that there's still not enough arms, uh, not enough weapons that, you know, that the collective West is providing to Ukraine, even though now, you know, the, the situation has changed very much. And, uh, um, it, it's obvious. I mean, it's been in the news many times. But I think I still uh, I still say it because you know we we have to retake our these territories that Russia captured during this invasion, and we of course have to retake the you know the, the territories that it captured before. Because, you know, this is our internationally recognized borders. And the president is a very President Zelensky is very you know adamant on that that you know the territory. Uh, issues are non-negotiable, and of course, you know, territory is one thing. The other thing is is the people who who, who suffer immensely. You know, we we we're all been through this. You know, I mean, at least reading the news or hearing about atrocities that happened in Bucha and many other places. Uh, so we have to retake those territories in order for for these atrocities to stop happening. So that's why we need heavy weaponry. And yes, we 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 now have. We're now getting artillery, we're now getting some other things, but I don't think we're yet at the point where uh, we can definitely say, okay, we have enough arms to, you know, to to take the territories and to stop these atrocities from happening. How are things going in Mariupol? The last that we had heard was that, you know, there was sort of a stop on the steel mill, and then, but now we hear that things are, you know, back at, you know, every time that we hear, I don't know why we get our hopes up, Mikhailo. Like, it seems so silly that maybe I guess it's the human nature of kindness that you hope that they mean it when they say they're going to do something. But mm-hmm. it seems to be not the case. We've got the steel mill, right? There's the uh, attacks have been increasing on the folks in Mariupol, plus uh, Easter, which I'm sorry, I did not wish you a happy Easter. That was at the top of my list of things to do. My apologies. Um, but there was no break for Easter, yeah. even though it was asked for, right? Like, we shouldn't be surprised at this point. We should be surprised. Russia always lies. That That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're lying always, and they're not Doing what, and even those corridors, you know, previously in 2014, 2015, uh, there's been a little ice tragedy where they opened the, the corridor and then just, just 
shelled everybody who was going through it. It's just, uh, you know, at, at this point, I don't know what what can even be. I, I, I understand I, I am all for, you know, uh, uh, opening the corridors and, and letting people through so they can be safe. But with Russia, you can never know uh, whether if such thing exists, even whether, you know, uh, it's just uh, not an excuse or not a way for Russia to just make it even worse to basically kill those people while, while they're, they're be, um, uh, passing, uh, yeah, through this corridor. And, um, yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't know what should happen now. I know some of the, you know, the, the NGOs, uh, in Ukraine, the, the, the initiatives of, of several NGOs, the uh, human rights activists, they addressed, uh, Pope Francis directly asking him to, um, you know, to, to, to intrude and to, to do something. I think, you know, the, the figure of this um, scale or of, of this uh, um, potency can, can uh, could do something about this. But unfortunately, we saw, uh, what we see is, is uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, so far there, there hasn't been uh, uh, a lot of enthusiasm on his side to, uh, to intervene. Moreover, uh, you probably heard, maybe not, uh, about the... There was a scandal of things when during the Easter he suggested, and it happened, that uh, a Russian and a Ukrainian uh, two women would uh, partake in a ceremony of, you know, bearing the cross and whatever was the, the, the Easter ceremony, which was uh, just bizarre and very shocking to all the Ukrainians. It's basically uh, equalizing the victim and the um, and the perpetrator, and basically, you know, the, the, the most compared to, oh, let's, uh, how about we uh, ask the, the, the German Nazi and the and the Holocaust survivor to uh, to, to bear the cross together. So it, it, it was like this, and it was it was bizarre to to see that, and at the same time for um, for the Pope, who is the head of the church, who has to, whose job is to promote uh, good versus the evil, uh, would not do that and rather uh, ask everybody to just stop fighting, which basically for Ukraine means uh, surrender and ceasing to exist. Um, yeah, I mean, holy, like, isn't it mind-blowing to think that somebody would use faith, right? I mean, one of the most beautiful things to me around the world is that um, is how the world celebrates faith, right? And to use that against somebody or try to use that, yeah. um, you know, that's just heartbreaking, heartbreaking to me. But we see this false information, right? We see all these things. And I don't know um, what you cool. see, how active you are in social media and all those things, but, you know, we are starting to see... Um, TikTok videos, for example, fake live streams, edited videos um, that are, are sharing. People are capitalizing on it. I mean, maybe it's human nature to be uh, jerks, but um, they, you know, people are capitalizing on these fake um, uh, TikTok videos uh, of what's going on in Ukraine. So th- that must, I, I'm assuming, I, I don't know, maybe you don't go on TikTok very often, but, you know, for, for the people of Ukraine, I mean, that's just a, a kick in the gut. Well, yeah. Uh, we also have to understand that. Sorry, um, can you hear me now? Sorry, that was. Um, I can't. Yeah, we've got you. That. No problem. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, yep. sorry for that. Um, no so problem. yeah, one of the it is a hybrid war for for a reason. It's a very very real war. But what what's going on as well? So one of the fronts, one of the means of, of warfare for for Russia that it's using very widely is the misinformation, and you know it's just. Not somebody in in their kitchen who just thought, oh, maybe how about we make this fake video? There's a whole industry in Russia 
uh, of misinformation and disinformation and uh, basically um, trying to invent whatever uh, things such as, you know, the, one of the latest is that Ukraine is misusing the weapons or uh, losing the weapons or they're, they're falling into uh, their own hands. And so what they're trying to do now and just, is just for the West to stop uh, sending weapons to Ukraine, which, of course, they're very not interested in uh, uh, having on the battlefield the, the, the weaponry, which, uh, on the other hand, is vital for, for us Ukrainians to, you know, to fight back and to win this war. So uh, they're trying to say whatever things that, you know, that the uh, that's unsafe, that we're not trained, that, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's lost or it's stored somewhere inefficiently on the, uh, you know, in the warehouse, what, whatever nonsense there is. Uh, on on uh, Russia's side, it's it, it, it's there to um, to undermine Ukraine, to undermine the West, to draw a wedge between our countries, to um, you know to to to, to quarrel, to to make everything possible for us to stop cooperating, and and for the Western countries, you know, for the EU countries to to uh, not be friends, because Putin Putin has calculated a lot, and Russia has calculated a lot, and the thought will be more divided. What makes us strong and what makes us um, able to win this war is is the unification behind you know basically it's as simple as it is now good good versus evil it's that that that's what's happening in, in ukraine right now yeah, so by all means what so... i'm trying to say by all means let's let's not fall for that and let's not uh yeah. uh let's double check all all the all the info that we're getting and if it's strange if it doesn't you know uh really correspond to 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 what you're saying double check triple check and uh, most probably you will find that uh, that is a that is a Russian fake, basically. What do um, uh, I mean, professionally or personally, with family and and friends, or or whichever way you feel is most appropriate to to share this part? But what do Ukrainians say mm-hmm. when these headlines on the BBC and stuff right now that says you know UN chief to meet Putin as Russia warns of a wider war? CNN sort of reporting that as well. That the rhetoric around World War Three getting pumped out of Russia right now as a threat. Um, and yet, you know, sort of the uh, the double down from the world need to step in. So, you know, what what do Ukrainians uh, say uh, to all of that? Because there have been more threats too, right? Like there's the threats to uh, Finland and Sweden and all mm-hmm. those uh, up north. And, you know, there's been threats everywhere. And Ukraine did. I mean, there was a lot of Ukrainians that that I saw in interviews before this all started that didn't really believe that, you know, that Crimea Part 2 was going to happen, that it was just all talk. And so, you know, I don't want to dismiss threats because I think we learned that lesson. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of people in Ukraine that I, we've spoken to, including yourself, that sort of said, you know, this this has been cooking slowly for a long time. We need to take it very seriously. So how do Ukrainians look at these threats of a wider war and, and all of these talking points coming out of Russia? Well, first of all, in a sense, the World War Three is already happening because it's not just you know one country against the other country. Uh, the West is helping Ukraine tremendously. Uh, rather, you know, China in a way is helping Russia, and Belarus is helping Russia. And you know, it's, there's more than, more than two countries involved already. Of course, it's not full-scale World War Three, God forbid, right now. But in a sense, that's that's already. And there's no doubt about this. You know, the, the, the world security order is changing right now because you know you cannot you cannot have a, a crazy maniac as, as a permanent member of the UN. Security Council just become ridiculous at this point. So, and, and many other things, you know, NATO countries joining, uh, neutrality, change, shift of policies for that's been active for 
you know, decades in, in certain countries. And, and I, I think we're only starting here because after the war, we have to rethink the, the whole security, um, world security order, definitely, because it, it's, it's shattering now. It's not working, basically, uh, on one hand. On the other hand, of course, Putin wants to justify, and Russia basically wants to justify it before uh, their own people that, uh, you know, that, that, that it's not Ukrainian army that's fighting back, it's the whole collective West. They're, they're against they're fighting against the NATO for the right cause, of the whole world is against Russia. It's the rhetoric that they have, that have for you know decades or maybe even more um, that you know they are, they are they're fighting for a good cause or whatever it is against the, the evil Western world. So this is kind of this is the, the message and the uh, rhetoric that that they they had for for uh, quite some time. And at, and at the same time, what they're trying to do is to try to scare the West and now started openly talking about the nuclear weapons. Um, so it's one of the, their lastest resorts is uh, basically nuclear weapons. And so they're very much counting on uh, the West to uh, surrender, basically, uh, upon a threat uh, of, of uh, Russia using nuclear weapons. So this is uh, another very important point for, for us to understand and to not fall for that and to uh, stay united and to, to basically not, um, yeah, to, 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 uh, to not do what Russia wants us to do is basically surrender. One of the things that I saw in the last week was one of my favorite things. I mean, uh, Vladimir Zelensky has been inspiring, I think, in so many different ways. And one of the things when he was going to meet with uh, dignitaries from the United States in the last few days, he, he said... I'm paraphrasing, so it's not exactly a quote, but he basically said, it's great they're coming. Don't show up empty-handed. Now, of course, we're not going to see the details of what might be coming and all that until it arrives safely and it's been distributed and all that stuff uh, yeah. in the general public. So I, I get that part. But that is that inspiring to... Uh, that must be inspiring to Ukrainians. I mean, because that statement is, it's great they're coming. Don't come empty-handed. I mean, that's powerful. That's very powerful. It is. It is. At the same time, you know, there's been some criticism, uh, to, to be honest with you, because, uh, well, uh, U.S. is one of the of, of the top uh, partners for Ukraine now, and the the number of arms they provided and just, you know, it's 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 helping tremendously to uh, for us to fight back. Uh, so it's you know, was he assuming they would they would come empty-handed? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not here to judge how. Um, you know, how, how was it optimal to, to, to say this? Did it help? Was it not too much? But it definitely was powerful in, in a way that, um, you know, I think Zelensky is now capitalizing and for, for, for all the right reasons on the kind of on the moral, um, I don't want to use the word superiority. I'm just saying on the moral position, let's say, uh, of uh, um, Ukraine. Uh, right now, because again, uh, let's, let's repeat this once more, so we don't forget that, that we're now not only defending ourselves, but defending the you know other European countries and defending basically the other Western countries and defending the world order um, as it is. And uh, you know, it's uh, uh, we are, we don't want Russia to go further, but uh, eighty what eighty six percent of Russians uh, want to attack other countries and would support that. You know, Poland, uh, other EU countries, other NATO members. That's that's insane. So um, I, I guess the, I, I'm not here to judge about the exact wording, but I think his position is uh, clear and, and, and correct that 
you know, uh, basically saying, guys, please do not hesitate with uh, all the all the necessary weapons, the, the, the shopping list as the U.S. Uh, calls it. And of course, then Blinken said, uh, sec- U.S. Uh, Secretary uh, of State, and Blinken said, um, you know, we, we're, we're not, we have not come into hand. And I and I really, yes, we, we do not know all the details, and I really hope uh, that um, he's right. Yeah. Well, Mikhailo, um, you have Canada listening. Um, so, I mean, you've got friends, you've got family, you've got all the people around you, you've got colleagues, everyone else that's in Ukraine. I, I find personally it inspiring to say that, you know, you are fighting the war uh, for Ukraine by trying to keep the economy alive. I mean, that's that's inspiring as well. So uh, what do Canadians need to know? Because uh, you got the loudest microphone in all of Canada right now. So as we like to do every time we have a chat, and the floor is yours. What does Canada, what do Canadians need to know? Uh, thanks, Shane. And uh, well, first of all, I think I, I would like to thank to you know, great thank you to to all the Canadians for such tremendous help and support. We really feel it. And um, again, I, I don't think we're fighting back fiercely, but uh, you know, without your support, that would be a, a very different story. That's for sure. Uh, keep supporting us. Keep sending heavy weaponry uh, because this is the phase of, of war where uh, you know we, we really need it. And uh, also, since we're talking about the economy and, and you know the financial situation in Ukraine, uh, there's some some um, predictions that it will fall. You know, the GDP will fall 35 to 60 percent next year. So that's, that's huge. That's basically losing half of your economy. So of course, right now is the um, um, also it is very very important to support Ukraine financially. Uh, whatever are the means of that. Um, you know, loans. Again, I'm not an expert on that, but uh, the direct, you know, uh, uh, health support, whatever it is, it's also it's also important to to support us in this, you know, dire times. So we can, uh, first of all, we can uh, fight back, we, we can win, and then we can rebuild. And of course, uh, everybody will be better off if we um, win this war. That's for sure. So, and again, thank you very much, uh, Canada, to um, for for your tremendous support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and Ukrainian Canadian organizations uh, as well. I mean, if you want to hand out directly to the people, uh, that's a great way to go. And they also have connections directly to different organizations as well. Uh, Mikhail Zernikov uh, joins us here on the shift um, from Ukraine. Thank you again for being so generous with your time and helping us understand uh, what you are truly going through and cutting through all the storylines so we can know and support Ukrainians, Mikhailo. It's great. Uh, it's great that you're here. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Shane, for, for, for doing this and for for giving the platform and, and for shedding a light on this that's, that's tremendously important to you know keep the information uh flow uh going from ukraine thank you so much thank you we'll talk to you in a couple of days thanks for listening to the shift podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review the show and share with anyone you like get it on apple podcast google podcast spotify and curiouscast.ca